You're now listening to the Bar Stars Podcast, where we explore health, longevity, and performance. I'm your host, Edward Checo, and we'll be diving deeper into topics I've been studying for the last 10 years as a catastatics expert. Today, our guest is Snoop, a frequent face on the catastatics rep scene in New York. He has competed and won in several rep competitions, literally too many to name. We speak about how he was initially intimidated from working out and then fell in love with catastatics. We talk his training routines and style, and how does he fit it all in while having two kids and working 60-hour work weeks. Enjoy. What's good, Snoop? Chilling, bro. You already know. Same old, different day. Cool, cool, cool. All right, so let's jump. How did you get started with catastatics? So I basically, I used to play ball. I was a big basketball player. Um, I played high school ball. I played a little bit of college. I was always tiny, all hair. I was like a buck 30 tops. So I wanted to get, I wanted to get stronger for basketball. So I started working out and realized that working out is his own sport. I found out about the competitions, the, um, that nature, because I'm into calisthenics for the competition. So I started working out and realized that they hold competitions and this actually just replaced basketball for me so that was about five like six years ago how do you i'm 34. okay so like 29. yeah about 29 i started yeah so what was it that made you like what was a specific thing that like sparked it why calisthenics are not like bench pressing and curling well me being so small like my brother played football i played basketball so they always made us do light calisthenics because I was always told as a basketball player, if you bench press, it messes up your jump shot. So they always made us do push-ups, pull-ups, things like that. And then, like I said, I started, um, I, meet, I met a few people, um, and I started just falling in love with it, seeing certain things like, wow, that's crazy, and then just got into it from there. What are some of the things that you fell in love with that, that felt like that's crazy, you know? Well, the muscle-up for sure, that was the first one, because I'm not really... I'm scared of 80% of the things y'all do. I'm scared of 360s. I'm scared of all of that. So the muscle up to me was the top move. That's That was the highest. To me, that was a trick. Or uh, So after that, I saw Q, Quincy France. Um, he's the first person I seen do it. And at the time, in person? he was like, yeah, in person. Where at? Blink, Jamaica. I was there on my lunch break from work. Wow. Yeah. I never knew that. Yeah, and he did it. And he did so it. So you were there for your regular workout, and Q was there doing his thing. Yeah, absolutely. No, actually what it was, I was working out. I'm going to tell a little backstory. I was working out. I was just doing stuff I seen on YouTube. Um, this girl who was a trainer there came up to me. I was doing something dumb. I was like on the balance ball trying to do pistol squats or something because I saw it on YouTube. So this girl comes up to me, and she's like, you know, correcting me. And this big brolic weight head comes up to me like, leave him alone. We don't talk to those guys. So I was like, damn. Like, to the point where I got so discouraged, I'm like, I'm not working out no more. Like, I don't belong here. Like, so I came back a few months. I'm on the pull-up bar. I'm doing my little. Wait, so he met these guys by, like, people doing, like, BOSU ball stuff and stuff? I get what I took it as as a person that doesn't know what they're doing. Because I was a legit beginner. I had not one muscle on my body. So a couple months later, I'm on the pull-up bar. I'm doing like sets of seven, and I'm thinking I'm doing okay. And then this guy comes up to me like, excuse me. So I'm like, here we go again. 
another brolic guy in the gym is about to tell me get out the damn way or something but it turned out to be q so q started giving me like yo if you don't mind you should try to go lower go higher and i'm like you talking to me like you know i, I was intimidated like you're strong i'm not you're you're conversing with me that's cool so um he started showing me stuff and every time i saw him i would run him ask him questions he showed me the muscle up and he did it slow and he's taught he's doing the muscle up and talking to me at the same time <laughs> like what you want to do is you want to do this and i'm just there like wow and that's what really got me start looking at the youtube because i wasn't aware of the youtube world so that's when I started looking things up, seeing different people and different styles. And that's what made me like, OK, I'm going to really stick with this. And then I met a lot of people at Blink Jamaica, Quincy. Um, there was a guy named AJ. He was um, part of Barbarians for a while, JR from Beast Mode. And then I eventually met like the Docs and the Zefs and et cetera. So I was just always that annoying kid that asked them a million questions. How do you do this? Or what do you think about this? And this, that, and the third. And I guess they just got tired of me asking and let me stick around. Got it. So so since then, you leveled up a couple times. Uh, you won a couple rep comp competitions, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, 2018, I've been competing since about, I want to say 20. I started in 2015. Let's say I started competing in like 2016. Um. I won my first competition January 2018. That was out in Jersey, a boss life competition. And then every competition I entered that year, I won. So there were about 11 competitions that year. No, I lost one, sorry. I lost one, winter reps. But I won about 10 events that year, 2018. And most of the competitions are structured on, on who could do the most, pull-ups, push-ups, dips? Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that was the thing because that was something I prided myself on. I wanted versatility because I don't think, no disrespect to none of the competitions, I don't think a 60-second or a two-minute realm is showing you who's really better. So um, they had this competition. It was They were all timed events, but one had burpees and pistol squats and you know things that I don't really do. <clears throat> I'll do if I have to, but they're not my preference. So those are the ones that really showed versatility. That was more CrossFit-based because I traveled. I went to New York. I went to Baltimore, um, California, Italy. I went all these places for different competitions, and that's what – because I feel that's the best way to learn and to grow. I can't stay in one spot. I need to venture. That's why I, my teammates call me – but Zeph gave me the name The Ranger – Cause I'm everywhere. He'll just hit me up and like, where you at? Oh, I'm in Baltimore. There's a competition, or I'm going to Florida. I'm going to California. So that's basically what I was on. But I was never afraid to lose, cause I've been losing for two, three years before I won anything. So I felt that's what got me stronger. Did you compete in Italy? Yes. How did you do? Um, I lost. I lost. Um, I was actually. Was it like a most reps thing? It was. It was like a. They give you a set. And whoever finishes it in the fastest time. So it went on your time. Remember the set? Um, off the top of my head, I want to say it was something like 10 pulls, 15 push, 20 dip, 5 muscle ups. It was something along that nature. I don't remember the exact set because that was like four years ago. But um, that was honestly, that was an overbar competition. Um, my boy Pierre out in Italy. That's probably the best, biggest competition 
I've ever been to. He's grown so much. I think his pot is like $8,000 if you win now. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. So that that was probably, but back then I wasn't really, I just did it like I'm here. Might as well. Like I got So it the, wasn't the same year that you were winning everything? No, not at all. Not even close. So what do you feel like you changed in your training that got you better at it? Um, well, what really opened my mind, there's a, one of my mentors, his name is Icewater. He's from California. He's very, he's, to my opinion, the strongest person that nobody knows. This man, he's like 27, I think, and he's been doing this since he's like 14. I watched a lot of his stuff, and he actually came to New York because he's never been to New York at the time. So I offered, you know, I had a talk with my wife and I offered my home to him because I was a barbarian prospect at the time. So I'm like, all right, come stay with me for like two months. Like, I'll give you a place to stay and I'll pick your brain and you could show me stuff. So he really I give him all the credit in the world for really unlocking my potential because it was all mental. I, I was super intimidated. I walk to a spot or I'll see a person on Instagram and I'll judge him like, oh, wow, he's way stronger than me. He did. Look, that if he did that on the Instagram post, nah, I don't want no problem. So he really taught me to don't be bothered by that. Just worry about yourself because my, my mentals, my weak mentals were limiting me. It was holding me back. And that year was the first year I was just like, you know what? I'm not even looking left and right to see if the person stopped. I'm just going to go. And then once I mastered it, I realized how easy it became. Not easy as in the competition, but not worrying about outsiders. Because me worrying about outsiders, I was taken away from myself. That time that I'm scrolling on your page to see your stuff, I could be hitting a set. I could be mastering something. So I give Ice all the credit. And that was late 2017. Cause I, I feel the same way. Like uh, Usually, I, I sell, if you sell yourself out mentally, that it's already over. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you straight up. Some of them competitions, I walked in, I saw a G.I. Joe I saw a Brooklyn tank and I'm just like, why am I here? I don't, these guys are legends. They're YouTube. They've been working out since before I knew what a pull up was. I don't belong here. I would, I would like leave the park. Like I'm, I'm not about to embarrass myself because I know myself. I'm like, nah, but then, you know, I, I, I realized that because now that I coach, I realized that's a lot of people's problems that they intimidate and they psych themselves out. Like, no, I can't do this. And it's just like, it's push-ups and pull-ups, you know? It's don't... Because everyone wants to just win. That's all they want to do. It's not about learning. Everyone, no one wants the process. They just want to get to the end goal, the fame, the glory, and that's it. So the only difference you had that up your performance, you felt, was mindset? Absolutely. Absolutely. And not being scared to fail. So if you tell me right now, do 100 push-ups... Even if I stop at 40, just learn it's a process. Tomorrow, try for 41. The next day, try for 42. Just don't give up on the set because your mind makes you say, I'm not doing that. I'm never going to get that. Just fall in love with the process and you'll get there eventually. We're not, we're in this for the long run. I'm hoping I can do this until my 80s. Do you train every day? Mentally, yeah. Physically? Physically, no. I wish I could, but life that hasn't dealt me that card. So um, how often do you train? On a good week, I want to say three to four days a week. How long is each session? Um, sometimes it's my lunch break, so it's an hour. I try to, because I do a lot of group sessions. I really, I rarely train by myself. 
So on average, I would say two hours. I'll probably try to do like a seven to nine. Still got to get home in time to get the kids ready for school and up in the morning. Well, it's a group session. It's like really long rest, right? It, it No, not necessarily. Because we, we do such big numbers, we do do a decent size rest. So we do a lot of partnered work. So let's say there's eight people at the workout, me and you are partnered. So we would do ours. Our rest is when they're going. But the set is so massive that you need the rest. We'll do like a 5MD, like me and you would do a 5MD or maybe a 10MD, which is double, 100 push, 100 pull, 200 push. And then our rest is just when the other groups are going and then we have to do it again. So that's basically how we train. Do you split up your workout any specific way or is it uh, some combination of pull-ups, push-ups, dips, muscle-ups every session? Um, we try to, whatever is not hurting, we make it hurt. <laughs> so if my chest is fine, that's a push-up day. But we try to balance everything because I think that's the hardest part about training, balancing. When you start working on your pulls, your push lacks. When you start, you know, working on your grip, you lose something. Legs always gets lost in this upper body craze. So we try to keep very balanced with everything. So I, we, we don't have a set schedule, but, you know, we'll, we'll have sets that we aim for. And then we'll just keep working at that. Um, we're influenced a lot by, like, what we see on social media and just personal goals that we have. So, like, right now I want to do 50 pull-ups. That's one of my goals, to hit 50 pulls straight clean. So I'm doing, like, every Monday I'm doing trying to add one more pull. Right now I'm at, like, 44. So next Monday I'm going to try for 45. You know, so just trying to do things like that. And a lot of us in my group, we... We put what our goals are. Like um, one of my females, her goal was to get the 5MD. And it took her about, I want to say like three months, but she finally got it. So now we're on to her next goal. So that's basically you how You guys share think. your goals in like a text message? Yeah, we have a group chat. Cool. A WhatsApp group chat. So for your pull-ups, do you go all the way up and all the way down, chin over? Because there's always a, a, a range, a spectrum when you ask people yeah. what's a, a pull-up. And then you have some people that will describe their pull-up and then that's not actually what the what, yeah. what they show. So I, I, I had this conversation. I personally, me personally, Snoop, I do chin over and I try to go. I don't go full 100% ROM. I try to aim for something in between 95 and 98 just to preserve the elbow. Because I do have, I did used to have elbow problems. But I encourage some, because I compete. So I hold myself to competition standard. So if there's somebody that just works out in the park, you set your own standard. So it's not for me to tell you, you got to go higher, you go lower. Whatever floats your boat. But if you come into the competition realm, I get to hold you to that standard. I get to correct you because now you're entering a whole new realm. So when people try to critique people that's just in the park or just doing this for recreation, it's not our place to tell them that their form is good or bad because that's what they want to do. But if you come to me, hey, Snoop, I want to compete, then I can tell you, okay, if you want to compete, this is the standard. But if you're just in the park, if I just walk into a random park and see a random person or a random Instagram post, I'm not going to critique your form unless you ask me. And also, as a barbarian, you know, I hold myself to that standard. Um, Zeph, as the leader of barbarians, he sets a rule of if you represent 
my brand, this is the standard of pull-up we do. So, you know, I hold myself to that as a current barbarian. So me personally, yes, I try to go chin above and the best form I can. I aim for 98 to 95. I agree with everything you said. I think it was very clear cut. Yeah. I think, yeah, you shouldn't just offer advice, especially if someone's specifically not locking out for whatever reason. Yeah. It's a decision they might have made in an educated, you know. Exactly. Because I, I I see a lot of bullying with this. It's annoying. Everyone has an opinion. Um and like I said, I don't know what your goals are. But in the same breath, if you have, quote unquote, bad form and you come into a competition and you try to argue with me as the host, it's just kind of like, you know, be realistic with yourself. Because a lot of people will, the opposite end of this conversation is a lot of people will have bad form and then they will argue like, nah, my form is good. Even if you show them the footage, like your chin is nowhere near the bar. Your lockout is nowhere near the bottom, you know, but some people are just stuck in their ways, but everything's a learning process. You start to learn, maybe competition's not for me, or maybe, or if you really take the craft seriously, you accept it. Because like I said, I like to be a jack of all trades. I know how to do good form. I know how to do bad form. I'm not going to sit here and say my muscle ups are the cleanest. Sometimes I chicken wing, sometimes I don't. It's just about... You know, you learn along the way. I find the people that take criticism the best go the farthest. Yeah, I like everything you said. Yep. I think when it comes to competitions, there has to be a universal agreed standard, you know? Yeah. So sometimes you could work out in your park and go a third range of motion. That's fine. Yeah. But if you enter a pull-up contest, I think you have to use the traditional universal standard of all the way down, all the way up. Yeah. What, what do you think about that? I agree. I agree. Because like I said, I compare calisthenics to like martial arts. Every... Body has a different style. You might do kung fu. I might do jujitsu. So my standard pull can still be different from yours. Some people can pull straight up and down. Some people have to lean back a little bit. Some people have to have a wider grip to engage. Some people have a closer grip. So it's hard to really have a set standard because I'm, I'm going to give another story. Um, I When I first started, I had a tendency to what they call row. So it's like a CrossFit, like you, you start swimming. And I thought I was killing it. I thought I was killing it because this was like year two for me. I hit 40 pull-ups on it. I posted it real quick, proud, like, ooh, look at this 40 clip I did. And, you know, some people, they attacked me instantly instantly attacked me and I'm like damn like I thought I was killing it so they you know I was aware of it we went back and forth we argued because I'm like you know I wasn't into that part of the game yet I wasn't I didn't know how to accept the negativity because it wasn't a hey that's bad form it was like oh that's trash and I'm like I'm a grown man don't tell me I'm trash tell me how to fix it so bottom line it ended up as a battle I met up with the guy we battled strict form I actually beat him and we had a conversation about it about like you know how I felt how he felt and I learned from that that you know I gotta I've never I didn't roll since then I'm like I'm not doing this because I don't want to go through this again so I, I started stricting up but that was something that when I learned because my thing was my chin was over the bar and I was fully locked out who cares if I'm Swimming. Your rules, you told me chin above and full lockout. I'm doing that. So now it's a problem because you're saying I'm going with momentum. So I'm like, that That actually turned into we need a set, set standard. Because you set a standard, 
technically I followed those rules, but you still found a problem with what I'm doing. So where do we evolve from here? And that was four years ago. So now we're still kind of, because now I'm more in the organiz organizational side of these competitions and it's through experience. So now I'm trying to help set that standard. I meet up and I speak with a lot of the OGs of the game of what we want to eliminate from competition, what we want to include, and we're still working on it, but it's getting a lot better as far as the standard and the form. And it also comes down to judging. The, the judges, you know, they have to agree because some people will get away with bad form. And, you know, that looks bad. It looks bad because if I see you do bad form and then you're, I'm getting judged stricter than you, that discourages you from competing as well. So I think this year, um, the two competitions, no, the one competition we had in New York this year, the judging was pretty well to me. It was very good. And um, I think moving forward this year, it's going to be a lot better than it has been in the past. What do you think about dead stop pull-ups for a former competition? So you pull up, wait till the lockout, and at the lockout, people tell you to go back up. Um, I seen it. I first seen dead stop in Italy. And I think it's good. You mean like when they tap you on the rib, like yeah. that's your indication to go up? Or any any type of signal that, that lets you know, okay, the lockout's been confirmed, you could go up again. Because I feel like a lot of the issues may be that you're just going so fast that you're getting some type of rhythm. Yeah. And you you don't, you forget, you know, like, you know, first five reps, but maybe at rep 15. Yeah. You yeah. miss it. And, you know, you could tell somebody and it's like, okay, they're at rep 16, 17 and the judge is like. The awkwardness. You always see the judge be like a little awkward about mentioning yeah. two times he didn't lock out. Yeah, yeah. I think dead stop for competition, it's hard to do when you're doing uh, who can do the most. So if I give you two minutes to do the most pull-ups you can do, dead stop, you're going at the referee's rhythm. Because um, Chicago Pup J last year, they, they do Pup J, they do dead stop because that's Amari's preference. He's the host. But, you know, he had a rule to where if your body is swaying, he's not tapping you. So some people are dead hanging for like 10 seconds waiting for the tap, like um, tap me so I can go back up. But he's saying I'm not going to tap you because you're swaying, you know. So it, it it's you're at the judge's mercy. If I'm trying to do more than you, but I'm swaying a little bit, it, it's a lot of gray area that I, I don't know. I personally don't like it for those type of competitions. Maybe for like a battle or something like that. But if I'm trying to do the most pull-ups in two minutes, speed is the name of the game. But we have to, I think the judging also needs to improve of, like you said, the communication. Even though it's awkward for me to tell you twice, I have to, you know, five times. Like, listen, stop. Thing, I'm not counting none of those because a lot of these, a lot of the mistakes I've seen was the judges don't say anything. I'll get off the bar thinking I did 100, and then you tell me, oh, I only counted you for six. And it's just like, dude, why didn't you tell me mid-comp? I would have adjusted, you know? Yeah, so so um, shout out to Q. He started a, what he's calling the CCA. So he's starting like an official referee league. Because our competitions, we go on some ed, you're here. Oh, hey, can you refer me since you're here? And, you know, it's just kind of we just pick random people. There's no official anything. So now, like I said, through trial and error, we're, we're going through that. So I really think this year the universal standard is going to be set and look a lot better than it has in the past. How often in rep competitions would you say the person I should have won didn't win? 
Um, in my experience, I remember competing at Five Bs the first time I ever competed. I don't remember what year it was. A couple years ago, mm-hmm. and I came second place. They divided by weight class. Yeah, and who could do the most pull-ups in two minutes? Mm-hmm. And I remember I, I mean I was training for it, and I was like really excited. I ended up getting second place, but I was going all the way up, all the way down. And the guy who beat me was, you know, barely breaking the L and coming back up. Yeah. Now, at the time, I feel like I, I think the rule was just breaking the L. Oh, okay. Okay. But uh, in my experience, a lot of rep comps, I felt like, okay, there's not really a universal form set. And I feel like, I want to say every comp, but a lot of the comps I've yeah. been to, yeah. the person who should have won was not the winner. Yeah. I, I've, seen it, I've seen it happen more, more than often. And like I said, it comes down to, I, I have a real eye for things. So if your range, if your grip is wider, you have less range of motion. You don't have to come down as low. If your arms are longer and, and your arms are closer, you have to really come all the way down to emphasize the lock. So I think a lot of these things played a role. And it's up to the veterans of the game to realize these things. Like, for an example, G.I. Joe, his form is super wide when when I used to compete against him. He's damn near at the end of the bar. But his range, his full range, this is technically full range for him. My full range is here, and I'm so I'm I'm way lower than he would be. But I'm the type of person to where I have so much pride in the game that I want to beat you no matter what you do, even if you cheat. I want to beat you because that's a testament to damn Snoop is strong. Like I cheated and he still beat me. Not saying that Joe was cheating, but that was <laughs> I was never the type to tap somebody. Hey, tell him go closer, go wider. But I personally think that does give some people an advantage. Um, and genetics, if your arms are longer or shorter or things like that, it gives you everyone has a different range of motion. Um, so that definitely plays a role. And a lot of people. Not to say there's favoritism, but you we know a lot of the heavy hitters. So when they get on the bar, I, I personally witnessed some people get more of their reps counted and they shouldn't have. And that's part of the reason why after 2018, not to say I stopped competing, but I felt I can do more help organizing because I know a lot of people and I'm so passionate about calisthenics if you get mad or not, I don't care. As far as me saying that didn't count, I don't care who it is. You can be the God. You can be the bar father. You could be whoever. And I'm going to say that didn't count because my standard for my competition is your chin got to go over. But I, I know how to dot my I's and cross my teeth. So it's like I had a competition where I put a GoPro on the bar. So I'll show you like, hey, if you think I cheated you, look, here's the rep. Your chin did not go over. I'll put it in slow-mo, the whole nine. So that I think that's what's going to improve the competition because a lot of people said, I don't want to compete no more. They cheat or the refs or favoritism, and I wanted to help change that. So that's why I stepped out of competing in 2018 and started hosting more in 2019. And 2020, I'm hoping to do the same. How do you say someone should train to increase their reps? You know, My goal is to get, the, let's say, the most pull-ups possible. How should I train? How should I structure my workout? Um, well, consistently. Um, absolutely. Um, for what you specifically said, what I would say is, you know, set your numbers. So if you're aiming, let's say someone's aiming for 30. 
there's a there, there's a few ways you can get there. Um, a lot of people ignore your grip strength, not realizing how important that is to your fatigue pull-ups. Um, a lot of people can just go for broke and then have nothing in the tank after. So sometimes I would do short reps. So let's say I'll do sets of 10. I'll do a set of 10, literally count for five seconds, go back up for a set of 10 until I can't anymore. So let's say I get four of those done before I end up breaking the 10. That to me is still helping me get to the big number. So you don't always just go for the big number every time. You still break down. So some days I'll just work grip. A lot of people, if you work grip for two hours, you can't even close your hand. You can't snap. You can't do anything. The test of a good grip strength day is if you can snap your fingers. If you can snap, you ain't doing enough. You should be like this. So like I said, that translates to the fatigue rep. So I would I would practice. Sometimes I would practice how many pulls I can do before I pause. Sometimes I would pause on purpose to practice the fatigue reps. Sometimes I would do an ISO first before I even pull to just practice, okay, my grip is dead right now. How many pulls can I get? And then I would add all of those into my bigger number. So week one, let's say I'll do like a four-week program. Week one is just going for broke. Let's so say, let's say you work out four times a week, four times, four different sessions. You would just do as many pulls as you can. Yeah. Yeah, some days I would do, I do a lot of, it's called on-the-minute training. So you set a timer. Every time it hits a minute, you go for a set number of pulls. I would do that for like half hour, sometimes an hour. So like, let's say 10 pulls every minute for an hour. But that's not the same thing as maxing out. No, but those things, you're just, you're still pulling. So you're still working that muscle. So like I said, I personally don't like to just practice the max out. Let's say I would do these things and then I would test the max out to see what worked because I would go for my max. So let's say I'm going for my max. And then when I'm finished, I realize, damn, my forearms are on fire. And that's my indication to I need to do more grip work because if my forearm wasn't this tired, I could have done more pulls. Or if I say something like, oh, my lats are killing me, that means I need to work on my lats. I need to pull more. Or if I'm not going high enough. That means I need to work on my explosiveness. So the max, I would do a max just to see where I'm lacking. Because like I said, I record every time I do any workout, I record it. I don't post it on Instagram, but I record it. And I literally study it. Like studying like, damn, I felt tired at 25, but I still look comfortable. So it was mental. So Because your body starts to panic. Like, what the hell are you doing? Get off the bar. You're tired. So I, I really break it down that way work on the little things and I feel that personally worked for me how often would you max out I changed my training so I I want to say I max out at least like twice a month like every two weeks because that's one of that's one of my goals for 2020 I want big numbers consistently so I I started to do because before I would do like the five minute drill 50 pulls 100 push I would start off with my max, obviously, to see to get as much out of the 50 as I can. But that was the bulk of what I was doing. But now I do it consistently every two weeks. What would you say would be the number one thing that has had an increase on your pull-ups? On my pull-ups? The number one training technique, the number one thought, the number one workout routine? Um, the source of my power... 
is my family. Like I said, I never train alone. So I have a real, I was always the type growing up, I always had that rivalry, but it wasn't malicious. Me and my older brother, um, we would, who could finish their breakfast first? We would race to the car to sit in the front seat. I was always that type of person. So translating that to my training, if you do 30 pulls, I'm going for 31. And then you're going to go for 32. Then I'm going to go for 33. That's how all my training sessions are. So that's really my motivation. Because like I said, we do, we, I train with, I never train alone. And I have brothers all over the world. The Barbarian family is broad. I have brothers in Spain and Italy and California and Israel and Ukraine, everywhere. So when they send a post, like, hey, I did 45 pulls today. Best believe on my lunch break, I'm going to try for 46. And if I don't get it, ooh, you got me. Give me, give me two weeks. You can't have this bragging right on me. But it's brotherly. It's love because my gains are your gains and vice versa. So that's my biggest motivation, especially following Zeph. Like, Zeph is a walking alien. He's, he's not from Earth. So trying to emulate him is really what pushes us. Because like I said, brotherly, we don't do it to be cocky, but that's our source of motivation. We chase each other. If you do 100, I'm going to try because I don't want you to have that over me. I, I want to match you. So that's really what we do. Like I compare Barbarians to like its own separate island. No disrespect to other teams, but we don't really follow them because we, we're so broad. We're so like there's so many layers to Barbarians. We don't really focus on outside of it. Well, I do now since I'm more organizing and stuff. But as far as our training techniques go, there's like 30 of us. I don't really need to follow someone else to get motivated. You understand? And we're so competitive by nature, we'll challenge it. But we'll challenge it respectfully. Because I, I, I've noticed a lot now, like challenges turn into, like you talking about somebody's mother. If I, if I just challenge you to pull-ups, that's what it is. I'm challenging you to pull-ups. Some people, oh, you can't challenge me. You can't talk to me like that. What? It's just pull-ups, bro. Like, I just wanted to see if I could do more than you or vice versa. But like I said, it's all about your purpose in the game, why you're here, and your just mentals regardless. So the thing that fuels your pull-ups and your max number would be surrounding yourself with motivation and people that you could compete with. Absolutely. 100%. All right, so something you told me uh, off the off the podcast that I found interesting. Mm. You work two full-time jobs, right? Mm-hmm. How many hours do you clock in? And you're a father. Yeah, I have two kids. I'm married. Um, two kids, eight and three, and I have two full-time jobs. I'm a security manager um, for homeless shelters. So I work minimum 75 hours a week. Not two weeks, 75 hours in one week. So, yeah. How many hours do you sleep? I, I still get like a good five or six hours. So let's say, because the, the beauty of it is I set my own schedule. So, but like I said, that is still a lot of hours to clock, still have time for my family, still have time for training. But I never make excuses. You'll never hear me say this, oh, you only beat me because I had to work. I'm not that type of person. Everyone has to play the cards that they dealt. But my job is very, very crazy. And as a manager, I'm the one that deals with all the crazy. My phone literally goes off 23 hours a day. 
Um, it's always in my hand. Um, and like I said, I work in the shelter system. So it's a lot of it's a lot of drunks, a lot of drug addicts, it's a lot of people that just came home that don't want to follow your rules. They don't want to curfew. They don't want to hear that I can't eat in the building. It's a lot of problematic stuff. That's another reason that got me into working out because in my mind, it can go down any time of day at my job. I've got into like at least I've been doing I've been a security man. I've been in security for about 10 years. I've got into about I want to no exaggeration about 25 fistfights already. Yeah. So that's part of my motivation to work out. Like I might have to lay somebody out today. I'm going home to my family, you know, and like I said, I personally think everyone thinks starts from the mental. So if Snoop can find time to still work out when he works 75 hours a week and have two kids, what's your excuse? Give us a give us an example of what your day looks like. Um, a, a good work day. A good work day. I wake up in the morning, check my phone. What time? Um, I gotta take my I take both my kids to school. So I wake up at about seven. My eight year old has to be to school for eight. My daughter has to be to school for eight ten. My wife, she does the. She feeds them. She gets them dressed because I'm the type, you know, we're guys. I don't need to get up and pamper myself. I'm at, I, I shower the night before. I get up, brush my teeth, pop a waffle in the, in the thing, and I'm good to go. I'm going to put on my slippers and my sweatpants and take them. So um, I'll take them to school. You know, I'll come home. I'll check my emails just to see how crazy it was last night. As far as like this guy punched someone in the face or this, that, and the third, uh, I'll go to work. So I get to work like, I want to say nine, 10, because it's not too far from my home. I do a lot of conflict resolution. Since I'm the security manager, security is very reactionary. So if you had an incident yesterday, I'll sit down with you and basically ask you, you know, why'd you do that? Why are you bringing liquor in the building if you know there's no liquor in the building? Why are you cursing out the female who told you there's no liquor in the building? You know, things like that. Sometimes they say, I do what the hell I want. It turns into a confrontation. So you work until, when's your lunch break? As a manager, my lunch break is whenever my plate is the emptiest. So I have no set time. Like, oh, it's 1 o'clock. I try to set my, because one of my buildings is Jamaica Avenue. So one of the gyms that I came up on is Blink Jamaica, because it's two blocks from my job. So I try to I try to go like six ish because in the evening that's when things calm down. That's most, your lunch break. Yeah. I try to for the most part, I try to make my lunch break around six or seven. And you work out during your lunch break? Yeah. Absolutely. Do you eat as well or no? No. I eat on the fly, like while I'm working. I eat I don't want to waste my lunch break eating. I'd rather work <laughs> out. Do you have like snacks? Yeah, I absolutely. absolutely. What's something you would eat while you work? Um I won't sit here and say I'm the healthiest. I'm blessed with a good metabolism. I can get, I can eat pizza and French fries all day and get away with it. But since I compete so much, I try to, I try to eat a lot of fruit. Like I try to really fill up on fruit um, shakes. I literally have a, a portable blender that I walk with in my car and in my office. Um, I try to eat a lot of, I still eat meat, but I try to eat a lot of lean meat. So like ground turkey meat, you know, the wife cooks, I'll take stuff with me. I have a microwave in my office. So I try to save my lunch break for training as much as I can. And then I'll eat a big meal like when I go home because I like to train light. I don't like to feel heavy. I don't want to like be tired while I'm training. Is your lunch break an hour? Yeah. 
my lunch break is an hour. So do you get changed from out of clothes to work out, like into like shorts or anything? Or you I'll change before I go on lunch to save that little Got bit it. of time. Yeah, I'm trying to think about it. What's the commute from your job to the gym? It's three blocks. Okay. So I'll jog that. That counts as my warm up. <laughs> get there. Like I said, I like to, I do a lot of like five minute drills because it's five minutes. It's high quality training in a short time. So I'll get, I'll run that like five times. 50 pull ups, 100 push ups. Yeah. Then you take a rest? Yeah, I, okay. I'll do five a five MD, then I'll take a five minute rest, then do another five MD and repeat till you're done, and repeat till I'm done, and then so back to work. Then back to work. And what time are you you off? Um, I try to normally I work from like ten to about nine. So my lunch break would be from like six to seven or seven to eight. I wrap it up at nine, come home, you know, eat a big meal, try to still spend time with my kids before they go to bed, spend time with the wife before I go to bed, wake up and repeat. Six days a week. So the only day off, and on the weekend, I work double shifts. I work 16 hours. But I do it at night. So um, I actually started a company. It's called Consistency is Key, where I do designs. I do logos. So I do a lot of my drawing because at night, it's pretty quiet. So I, I try to do a lot of my drawings, a lot of logos at night. So I work from midnight, Saturday night, to about... Sunday about four o'clock in the afternoon and that's because you know I'm trying to get a house I live in New York I got an apartment trying to just still stack money to you know provide for the family you make the most out your week so all that and you're still and I still train four yeah. days a week super intense so if you I, I feel if you love something you're gonna find time to do it and I really, I love, I'm super passionate about calisthenics. So it's not a burden to me. It's so real. I mounted a bar in my house. Like like how you mount a TV. Like I mounted a bar by my bathroom. So every time I go to the bathroom at home, I try to do something, some ISO, some pulls. And also my wife, um, she she does calisthenics as well. She competes. She does everything. So it's very, that that's a big burden off my shoulders, honestly, because we share the same thing. It's not, oh, you always in the gym. <laughs> we go to the gym together, and that's like a date because we're both into the same thing. She does the push-ups, the pull-ups. She does everything I do. So it, it makes it easier. And then, you know, the little things motivate me. Like one day I came home, and I'm pissed. And I just see my my, my daughter like, hey, daddy. Look at this. And my, my wife picked her up and she almost did a full pull up herself. And she was two. That's crazy. And that I was just like, oh, my God, like that just took the entire bad day away from me. And that actually motivated me to work out because it's hard. to It's very hard to juggle. I'm not going to sit here and say it's easy, but 75 hours a week at a hostile, stressful job where every day it's I'm being threatened or cursed out or something. That's why the working out helps because it brings me balance. That's why when I work out, no disrespect, I don't like to, like, you know, we'll talk, but I want I don't want to do more talking than training. I want to get all this oh, aggravation. It kills me sometimes. Yeah, get sometimes the, people just like start. Yeah. It's like, oh, man, at least talk to me while I'm hitting a rap or something, you know? My team calls me Ike because if they talk too much, I'm hitting them straight <laughs> like that. Stop talking. We're not here for that. We have three, we have chats. Talk in the chat. Don't talk at the workout. Because I'm here to get all this bad voodoo mojo from my work day. I'm trying to let it out on the bar. And y'all talking about girlfriends, boyfriends. I don't want to hear this crap. Let's just work out. 
We'll talk about this later. Especially when your time is so limited. Exactly. Exactly. How would you tell someone to get started in calisthenics? I would say first, the first thing I would say is find your reason. Your reason for being in calisthenics is your motivation. So, you know, like I said, I'm into it for brotherly bonding. So as long as I have my family around myself, I'm having my motivation. Whatever motivates you, keep it around you as often as you can. So if you want to, if you work out because you want a beach body, you want to go on vacation, schedule a lot of vacations. That's your motivation to work out. If your motivation is to be better than anybody, join every competition. If your motivation is to just get girls, surround yourself with females, you know? So pinpoint what motivates you. Because like I said, I, I used to train people. I don't train no more because I don't have patience and I don't have the time, but some people would be like, oh, my birthday's coming up, so can you train me for a month? I want to look good. So after your birthday, what is your motivation to continue? You understand? So I, I started, I realized whatever your motivation is, have that around as much as you can. And then, you know, don't rush the process. You know, build your numbers slowly. My wife, she was doing push-ups on her knees when she started. Now... Over the three, four years, she can give you 70 push-ups unbroken, you know? So just, you have to fall in love with the process. Don't rush to be at Ed's level when you don't even understand. Ed's been doing this for 10 years. You just started. So just fall in love with the process. Just compete with yourself and your numbers and have fun with it. A lot of, I look at all these workout videos, no one smiles no more. Everyone's so serious. Have fun. Right? Like this is working out. It's it's a sport. It's a game. Enjoy it. Everyone just wants to get there right away. Enjoy the process. Enjoy the ride. Well said. Where can people find you? I know you have your own podcast, right? Yeah. Um, my podcast, Open Bar, it's strictly on YouTube. Um, my YouTube is Sick Elite, C-I-K Space Elite. The CIK stands for consistency is key. Um, I'm on Instagram, Snoop with three O's underscore fam first. And yeah, I'm on Facebook. I ain't on there a lot, but that's my government name, Anthony Ellis Gill on Facebook. Beautiful. Um, Thank you for stopping by. I appreciate it. I appreciate you, man. Thank you for having me. If you guys want to learn more about Kaisai's training, I advise you guys check out Barstars BTX. It's an app on your phone, also a web design, and also printable PDFs. It gives you a full 12-week program of calisthenics. It teaches you from a beginner progressions all the way to the advanced with basic conditioning as well as introductory skills, such as the planche and the front lever. You'll be able to learn these step-by-step while conditioning your body and turning yourself into an all-around badass. Check it out, barstarsbtx.com.